0: welcome everyone this morning on this um, the first in a series of webinars that we're going to cover on um, different the different dimensions of board performance that are assessed in the board checkup and um, the first four sessions are going to cover um, are going to cover the governance process and we have board roles and responsibilities in governance. We also have, um, oh, here it comes someone here, let, let in. I'll just hang on for a here. Hello, good morning or afternoon, depending on where you are, Rita. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, sorry, I was on mute. Okay, great. All right, well, I'll just sort of back up. I'll just back up again um, and uh, just uh, welcome you this morning. Hi, Mel. Just going to start here. Um, Let me say I'm Yvonne Kafik, and I'm a a faculty, clinical faculty member in the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Um, I'm also on the faculty at the School of Public Administration at the University of Victoria uh, and founder of a board checkup and just uh, by way of a background last month we did a series about where board checkup emerged how how it evolved as a research intervention into a big problem a growing problem around um, underperformance of boards of directors and really um uh you know wh- what what could what could be done um you know in addition to to a whole industry that has developed around it to improve it and so last month i shared um uh, we did a webinar really on that problem the board checkup itself as an intervention and the research that has flowed through it so i'm not going to touch on that um but i'm happy to share um happy to share that information with you um, if you require it now, what we're going to do, since we sort of covered the bigger picture on um, on board effectiveness and um, you know uh, approaches to improve it, um we're going to now take a every month look at different um sets of issues that challenge board effectiveness in the governance process or in um, factors that affect the governance process so this month, we're talking about board res- roles and responsibilities and governance. And, um, and so my, this webinar is really gonna um, follow some of the issues that are assessed it, through the board checkup. And um, we'll look at what those issues are. And we'll also look at the research, uh, the extent to which uh, the thousands of, of, of people who have used the checkup actually um, rated these as problems or not, and which were the most salient uh, for their boards. Then we'll talk about why these issues tend to exist um, in boards or some theories about them, and we'll reflect on those and see you know what your what your opinions are. Um, and um, And then really, what uh, from the research, what have boards done? Um, to address these issues, sort of changes they've made in response to them, and um, and and then we'll sort of provide throughout opportunities for uh, reflection. So legal duties that uh, boards must perform because they are legally responsible for the um, actions of the org- organization. So. In this regard, the role of the board is a, a fiduciary and ensuring that the organization does what it was created to do. So it advances the mission, it's compliant with the laws, it operates um, in a responsible fiscal manner and um, and ensures that it's um, moving, <laughs> in the direction that it's supposed to uh, strategically and um, has enough resources to do that. So some of the issues around board roles and responsibilities have a lot to do with um, when there's a disconnect there between the mission and strategy and resources and finances from, this, from the overall perspective. And um, so one of the one of the good governance practices is to ensure, boards ensure that budgets and other information are aligned with or presented with in the context of the, of the mission and the strategic priorities of the organization. And that risks are analyzed along with the board's responsibilities to them. Now, some of the issues, and we cover these um, when, when your boards, if you signed up for the checkup, you know that there are a set of items. These are the first set of items in the instrument around board clarity. And so what the what the board checkup does, it's just a diagnostic to surface issues in this area. One, about how clear the board is about its own um, role and um, its role in governance. And it assesses whether the board and the CEO are sort of on the same page in terms of the authority that they each have. Um, It also surfaces issues in that, what I just talked about around planning, whether the board is Um, involved in strategic planning or whether it's a rubber stamp for plans that are brought to the board from management, whether board decision making and how it exercises and where it exercises its authority. Um, is Is it getting too involved in matters that ought to be made by management? And then finally, about board clarity about those legal liabilities and those legal responsibilities and the protections that boards um, have against them. So these are items that are in that are in the board checkup and what I want presenting here if you can see these are from the research the um, uh, board member perceptions of the extent to which Um, these issues exist in their boards. So we're almost, you know, over 7,000 individuals have assessed their boards. And we see that the number one issue facing uh, that they perceive is around lack of clarity about their legal liabilities and what protection they have against them. That's a number one issue, followed by the clarity about what the board's role ought to be and whether the board gets too involved in um, operational details. So, and um, rubber stamping decisions is um, uh, much more, there's more effectiveness there. And the clarity of the authority that the CEO and board have, that's the least problematic um, issue from this sample. So let me ask you then, um, how do these um, resonate? I put these sort of in priority order now, um, that same challenge. How do these resonate with your, uh, in your experience with the boards you're either on or um, have interacted with? I'll just pause there.
1: I think it, it really depends on the maturity of the board
2: in a lot of cases, as well as it depends on the board um, members themselves in terms of, you know, their how long they've been solely focused on boards versus transitioning from being in the operations and delivery to, to being a board member. So I found in, in my certain circumstance, it really does vary. And it, I think the biggest challenge that I, by face, excuse me, is that shifting from the management role to the board role, you know, they're, they're very different hats and so delineation between your board member. Now you've got to be cognizant of what those roles and responsibilities are, which are very different than being, you know, in, in the management space. So I think they very much align, but I look at the prioritization based on the maturity of the board as being the primary
0: driver. Okay. So, you know, Rita you sort of answered this question, why do you think they exist and it just depends, right? Um there's lots of different factors and um and so we'll sort of talk about we'll sort of talk about that. So, um you know, either that board member being informed and educated about the laws um, that define their authority and la- legal liability and we know, for example, in Ireland there's lots of changes that have been going on, you know, over for the past five years and. Um, so this is an area where board members simply may not be informed or up to date about that. Um, Or if they are, they may just simply be confused about their role and responsibilities. And I think, you know, as the organization sort of alluding to, you know, changes in the organization that boards have, has governance adapted to the development of that organization and its stage at which that organization has developed and become more professionalized, for example. Um, and and then it can also be that directors have attached to certain roles and have difficulty letting go of those roles. And so, um, you know, there's not a lot of sort of cross-training going on, or there may be sort of different differing opinions about what the role of the board should be. Um, let's say a new CEO comes on. And or or new board members come on in a long-term CEO and they do have different, and I, I've heard this in board meetings, I'm on several boards where um, the CEO has said, well, boards don't do that. They don't get involved in that. And that's really hard to respond to. Um, and so that that, you know, that could have been developed a culture in that organization around how, how governance is um, done. And, and then really, so these sort of patterns develop, these behaviors develop, and there's r- really no opportunity or it could be that there is no opportunity for uh, to surface and discuss them, right? That they may be these feelings that um, board members have and they can be very uncomfortable, but there's never been an opportunity to discuss uh, or review the board's role and responsibilities periodically, um, particularly as the organization grows and develops. So are there any other kind of explanations, do you think?
2: Maybe you have that already outlined in here, maybe I missed it, but I think the there's two components that come to mind. One is that orientation is critical because having the clarity in the orientation, I think also defines to a degree the culture of the board or should encompass the culture and what the responsibilities are. So those you know in my mind, when you're coming into a board, if they have that proper level of orientation, you'll get a, a fairly good sense of where that delineation is and how they govern. And then the other thing that, you know, I I think about is also um, the skills matrix is one thing, but also the terms. So being very diligent on the terms. So you do have the maturity and the evolution, people coming into the board that have those different perspectives and insights as well.
0: Great. Yeah, we're going to cover some of those, as like what what have boards done about them, and those are certainly really good um, examples of um, you know how to how to address this issue. But um, so we'll we'll move on with this um, around that um, you know knowledge about the about nonprofit law. Again, it it. It varies. Um, there's no really one standard education around this. It really does have to be specific to that jurisdiction. It, can, it should be provided in orientation, as you say, or board governance manual. So board members can, um, you know, even before they come on the board. Review what's required of them and understand what those legal liabilities are, and that it really is their legal duty to stay up to date, right, and to request that information when they need it. Um, but it can also be done um, annually through performance assessment. So this is a one of the uh, one of the good um, one of the values of of a routine analysis of board. Uh, performance is that you can surface so many on many occasions directors may think they know um, and you may think they know but um, it it doesn't get voiced or surface intentionally and so it can get picked up particularly with people coming on Um, you can give them all that information and that's part of the issue you know we had asked ourselves in the beginning why is why is board effectiveness such a problem when so much information exists about how to be an effective board? And it's really the process of, of, of getting, of surfacing those issues and talking about them rather than just providing the manual, just scheduling the orientation, that it really is, um, um, requires um, additional steps. And so, and so, all of these things I think are super important to put in place in terms of practices to ensure that, um, at the very basic level, that the board does understand its role as a fiduciary, and um, and also understands the roles that the board. Play. So, if you remember, the second issue is what is the role of the board, the most salient and frequent issue that comes up? What roles do boards play in nonprofit organizations and getting clear about those as well, not just those legal liabilities and protections? So, let's talk about some of them um, around first, around what are boards, so the board's role. In governance, what are boards responsible for? And you know, at the very top line, that mission, values, goals, and priorities. Setting those, and um, and then um, being responsible for how that's working out. So, how effective is the organization um, in achieving those goals? And um, and. Um, having those mechanisms and those assessments in place, Um, understanding the, and and engaging in fiduciary governance and oversight and assessments of risks. And in, in all of my study of this and review of cases where there have been failures, A lot of it tends to come down to difficulty or, you know, in theory, boards um, have different roles. So as a fiduciary, the board's role is to ensure the interests of principals are advanced and that agents and principals have different interests. And so the board's role is to make sure that those interests are advanced. And so the oversight, the arms, there's an arm's length relationship for management in which all of this occurs, where there's assessment of how things are going and there's reporting. And in many cases, um, you know, the there's other theories about boards that the interests of both principals and agents and owners are advanced when there's a very close relationship um, between the two and um, in the implementation of strategy. And so in a way there's sort of this dance between when we have to be at arm's length and when we are together as a team. And that's a really difficult um that's a really difficult dance to learn. And sometimes we can get all in on fiduciary and be so arm's length that we can't actually develop the relationships to advance the mission and those goals collaboratively. And, and on the conversely, we get so close and so much trust that we don't fulfill this fiduciary role well. And so, it seems to me it's these different roles that the board has in carrying out these responsibilities. Sometimes they're close, sometimes they're distant and, and learning how to do that professionally um, in a way that really benefits everyone. So, so that fiduciary role is really necessary um, but also having that clear um, strategy Um, of course, selecting a CEO and evaluating their leadership competency, um, representing the interests of principals and um, building relations externally uh, to make sure that those interests are also represented and brought to the table and making sure there's enough resources and that they're used well and that there are um, systems in place, uh, efficient and effective management systems in place to make sure that nothing, there's no resources wasted. And then finally around the board's own due diligence around um, assessment and improving itself to ensure that um, all of this is taking place. And that sort of goes back to the orientation that you have and all those um, other and performance assessment, those, those are all part of self-management. So, you know, the, that's a difficult uh, set of responsibilities in a way around, you know, how does this play out in pr- practice? And, um, you know, you can have, uh, you know, how does it play out in board meetings, for example? Um, and um, I just put this this is actually a, a sort of a uh sets of clarifying questions that uh board members um can can ask and what what Chate Ryan and Taylor call inquiry questions around being effective fiduciaries. And I use Bloom's taxonomy just to in different dimensions, depending on what it is. Um, if, a, if the board or a board member doesn't, is, is um, needs more knowledge about something, specific questions that, can, that board members can ask about strategy, for example. You know, what are the implications of this? How do you define that? Um, how did you come to that conclusion? Or just having sets of questions available that help them fulfill that role. Um, Comprehension around data, for example, data literacy, um, application, right, of knowledge to development of strategies, um, analysis, all of these these all play into different, these are different inquiry questions for different responsibilities. And um, I don't know, what do you think something like this would be helpful for board members to have? I know... Um, we use these sort of wheels in education all the time, but I kind of think they might be useful at the board level. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's sorry, um, Ivana. I, I came off camera because uh, I think there might be a delay. So okay. <laughs> I thought it might speed up. Connection, but yeah I I think it's great because I think one of the challenges often is you know particularly when you're looking at a strategy is connecting the dots yeah because there are so many decisions that can be interrelated Um, and sometimes what you know comes before you is you know what is maybe an operational decision but really has a long-term impact and we need to consider that and in fact it struck me just in your earlier slides that maybe what's even missing there is maybe the vision piece because a lot of you know a lot of challenges are you know you're just looking in the short term whereas right. really you need to be kind of looking kind of three to five years out although you may not be able to control it and you know no one would have guessed around COVID and all of these things but when we're talking about our purpose and what we're doing I think we really need to be looking at the long-term and therefore when we're coming to look at these decisions, it's not only the immediate decision that has to be made, but what is the impact longer-term um, right. and does really kind of fit with our longer-term vision of where we're trying to go. Um, so, you know, I suppose that's one of the things that you know, I think boards you know, need to be conscious of when they're looking at their decisions. Uh, it's just not the short-termism, but it's also what is the long-term impact of it.
0: Right, right and i'm just going to go back here but yeah you're right the first one that is the i should add vision to that slide um, but you're absolutely right what are the implications the law, the implications of this on the vision and the mission in the long term yes yeah. rita i'm just
2: thinking about i i think it's great to have the clarifying questions as almost a starting point for people to start considering even how to ask the question that, you know, what are the means by which you can engage in a way that it's, it really is about getting others to think about the different perspectives. I mean, from board members aspect, you're bringing your experience to the table, and you're wanting to make sure that people consider other aspects. And so having, I think it goes back to the whole notion around having that diversity in terms of experience and mindset that really drives it. But I think that it's really important to understand how to ask the question. That that how I think differentiates. And I know from others that have I've had discussions with they they've said it takes probably about a couple of years to transition in, in your approach of how you would ask questions as management versus how you would ask questions as a board member. Great.
0: excellent. Okay, so that's good. And so that comfort level, and that's the other thing that we see is one of the impacts when we analyze changes in individuals. So those individuals who, um, you know, come back if you were to assess performance again, we see that change in their own behavior, they're contributing more to those meetings they have a better understanding and clarity about their own role and governance so so time is helpful but also an assessment and engagement and discussion of this periodically. Um, and And then they learn really what their legal, then they're really carrying out their legal duties around giving voice to issues, being informed and in solidarity around decisions that the board makes. Um, So on, on, and then getting clear then, so there's the role, role responsibilities of the board. And then there's these role, the roles that the board can play in the organization, depending on, the life cycle of that. And so, um, you know, there's three primary roles, decision-maker and evaluator, um, implementer. We'll talk about these and advisor. And, uh, which of these do you think is one is required of all boards? Which one?
2: The advisor for sure. Pardon? I was just, I was just saying the advisor is the, the kind of the, in my mind is the primary.
0: Okay. For me, it's number one. Yeah. Okay. So legally, number one has to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but they all can <laughs> the have Yeah. <laughs> number one has to occur, um, but they all occur. So let's talk about a bit of them. So yeah. on that board's they can decide to delegate certain responsibilities, but they can't delegate the evaluation function and the decision-making um, and monitoring function. Um, so in, that, in this capacity, if they do delegate, um, they review and discuss information um, shared with the board by management. And um, they also, uh, the role is to specify information that they need. Uh, to fulfill their role and um, of course, decision making occurs in motions um, and only the board as a whole has authority to make decisions and um, and board members have legal duties in the process, but the board has authority for decision making and evaluation
2: maybe sorry when i when i when i looked at the three in my mind it was almost like well the decision maker and the evaluator portion so it might just be wording in my mind is is almost at the the operational piece just the way that it came across okay as as opposed to you know the and, and you've put it down here monitor and evaluate the functions which is the essential component of the decision making, but not necessarily from an operational lens, obviously. Right. So it might just be the, the wording that for me I looked at and I said, well, but that's delegated to the operations and, and the management rather than the
0: board. Right. So some decisions are and they have to be monitored. And sure, then other sure. then others are the, you know, in the board's realm. So um, but yeah, so it's this you know, and that's why we sort of talk about these things. Um, But you're right, most decisions day to day are delegated and they're just, they're monitored. And it just depends on the the type of governance. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But on the implementation side, you know, in some cases, boards and board members do get involved in implementing the decisions that they make. So here's some examples, like recruiting a CEO, the board would implement that decision. And, um, or they would hire a firm to do it. And, um, you know, but that, that's something that the board would own. They would, you know, many get involved in fundraising, external events, you know, and, and so on to, to, cause that bridge to the external environment to make sure there's enough resources. And then around advocacy and outreach, um, you know, boards, boards, play a critical role um, in, in, in relating to that external environment, particularly if there are crises um, and, you know, changes in the environment. And those decisions can be carried out by task forces, committees, you know, individuals and so on. Do you think there's, you know, where do, where do you think confusion comes up around this one around implementation? Or does it, in your experience?
1: Probably the fundraising piece <clears throat> in terms of, you know, how involved you get. And I, I, and it's also just trying to, you know, I mean, a lot of board members are brought on because of their connections, and because of their network. And yeah. you're also be conscious of, you know, conflicts of interests and, you know, not getting too involved in, you know, the operational piece um, or or even, you know, just how do you, you know, leverage your, you know, connections (laughs) and so forth and be involved in these activities while also staying on the right side of governance.
0: Right. Um, and Yeah. Yeah. No, good. Those are good. Excellent. And they come up all the time. You're muted, Mel.
3: Okay, not anymore. (laughs) I just want to come back to Rita's point. All of this stuff is transactional, and it depends so much on the stage of development of the organization. If it begins, a a beginning organization is often an operational board or a management board, and it transitions uh, by state. So trying to nail it down as a generic is very difficult.
0: Right. I'm going to get to those different types of governance models, because it does depend. Right. It depends on on the model of governance in that stage of organization. But even so, there's even when a nonprofit, let's say, professionalizes and moves away from that sort of all volunteer working board. you know what is the question? What is what ought the board, what is the board's role in fundraising? For example, um, is it you know that's usually those we're going to come to the fundraising and resource development session in two months' time. But there's a lot of confusion about the board's role in fundraising.
3: That depends and, on it's entirely government. Can I can I just offer a, a couple of uh, metaphors? Uh, one that's very useful for me is that the board chair is the conductor of the board. The manager, the CEO, is the conductor of the management, uh, basically the organization. And I found one comment by uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, who is the godfather apocalyptic, apocalypse style, a film producer he was asked what the difference was between a good board or a good movie and a great movie and he said uh, getting everyone making the same movie and yes. so that has a lot of uh, yeah
0: yeah and and i think that's one of the that's the the place where everyone sort of needs to get to is being on the same page whatever the board's engagement is, and we'll talk about that, but being clear about that. Advisor, so on the advisor, so yes, the board does play an advising role, and so do board members. Um, Expertise, sharing expertise and information, um, providing professional, specific professional um, advice, And, uh, you know, all the boards I'm on, it's not going to be a surprise what committee I am on and what I am asked to do on the board. And, um, and I do that, and I'm happy to do that, or I'm called in on, let's say, like what Jacinta just said about COI. That's a big area of confusion as well, right? I mean, a board can't have conflicts of interest. I've been a fly on the wall of lots of those conversations and that's just not true. Um, They need to be declared and board members because of their connection are brought onto boards connections for those and for these purposes, right? Their knowledge and skills and connections. And um, as long as conflicts are disclosed and properly, handled at the board level and managed um and entered into minutes for, for example then there's no there's really no real issue that regulators expect that to be the case they just don't um they there are policies and procedures to be followed um but they do benefit the organization and they should benefit the organization, so that's a whole area where there's some confusion about that with board members, for example, they can't have any um, but they will have them because of who they are and why they're brought onto the board and yes, the board the organization should benefit from their knowledge and experiences and um, including you know not just professional but personal experience. Right. Maybe you're now we're diversifying our board composition more and more, and you're being more representative of the community that um the organization serves. And so you're gonna have different experiences and, and knowledge um will be different, you know, depending on um who those individuals are and uh and um the perspectives that they're um they're sharing so so this is this is certainly um also required but but legally not required on the treatment side so a lot of mention of things um again so we had the orientation those kind of Um, practices, good governance practices, um, assessment can be put in place, Um, but also understanding um, models of governance and whether they're appropriate to the stage of that organization. And so, you know, Mel's talked about, we talked about, you know, the working board, sort of the, we'll talk about each one of these and when they're appropriate and when problems arise. And oftentimes, you know, you'll start out in one and you'll as the organization grows and advances that the model changes, and the board becomes less and less involved in operations, and more, um, more their roles really strictly governance so this um, talk a little bit about each of these. Um, so probably no surprise, you you set the direction and you you implement and you manage the work of the organization. And these boards are, and the individuals, the volunteers who lead them are very committed, very knowledgeable about that organization and how it works. Um, But not surprising, meetings tend to focus on operational matters, um, and I've been on many of these organizations, and have to, you know, and and have sort of privately done a ethno, ethnographic review of any issues that we've ever talked about that are governance, to so make sure that I that we that we cover them, you know, from from understanding the bylaws, all of those legal requirements tend to be um, tend to be far from the um, far from the conversation. And of course, these are appropriate in early stage or all volunteer organizations. And um, when things are focused on, on, um, you know, um, a clear mission and set of activities, and um, there's just so many of these organizations, we actually don't even know how many there are, they're typically not incorporated, they're voluntary associations, and they're not counted in any of the Sector statistics, but there are many, many of them. Um, Risks of these um, of working boards when you do bring on uh, some staff. So maybe you hire a a, an ED. You have one paid staff, or you um, or administrative um, administrative staff. And this can be, there's so many case studies. I love the board source case study book of um, of the uh, stories of these individuals, these poor individuals who work so hard and bring things to the board only to um, be shot down on many occasions or um, overstepped in some of their areas. And so, you know, this is really kind of, Um, change issues around change in roles and um, or individuals really um, getting burnt out or never really as Jacinta said earlier about maybe not never focusing on the big picture in the long term of that organization it's just stuck in the short-term day-to-day they work well when everyone is clear on who's doing what and what's important and when those governance issues can be teased out and there's planning. Um, I'm on a board, I've been on a, a, a triathlon uh, board because in, I'm involved in triathlon. I decided to join this board five years ago when I moved here because I wanted to be part of the community and make a contribution. And this was not an easy task, teasing out the Governance issues and planning, but we did it over COVID. And I always feel that this one, th- you know, by sort of disrupting the status quo with a new with a new plan and priorities, it's really hard to move this along to implementation. And um, particularly in this kind of um, organization, really, really tough to rally people around something new. Um, so any uh, thoughts on this or experience with what I'm talking about here?
3: Hockey Canada.
0: Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of issues in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not a working board either, but it acts like a working board and it's not appropriate to the stage of that organization's development
3: so i've I've done consulting work for them and uh they got more problems than what's been in the news i'll tell you
0: yeah so you know so this is an area where a lot of this is sort of carried on with the organization even though hockey canada is um a very well established um and professionalized organization so um, which really probably should be falling in this model of governance where they're governance only, restricting itself to um, strategic leadership and focusing on that vision, as Jacinta said, mission goals and priorities, and decision-making and evaluation are are the primary role of that board. So um, Jacinta, is MS Ireland a governance only board? Rita, where is your board? Do you think that or well. Sorry, I,
1: I, I was on mute there. I, I would oh. hope not, to be honest, Devon, um, okay. because I, I think, it, you know, you're always trying to find that balance between performance and conformance. And, you know, conformance is definitely around governance, but, you know, ultimately we're here, you know, speaking, you know, for MS Ireland, we're ultimately here, you know, to support people with, with MS. And that's really about advancing our services and advancing our strategic ambition. And you know, I I suppose it's interesting also kind of looking at this because when people come onto boards or when you're bringing people onto boards, you're really bringing them on because of their skills, not necessarily to fit a role of of governance. And Mm -hmm. I think that's also kind of one of the challenges here. Is you know, I, I think if you if you had set out the role. Um, and and even gave somebody a spec based on the governance requirements, (laughs) I think you would find it very hard to get people to come onto boards, Um, you know, particularly when you're trying to really attract people based on their skills and what they can kind of bring to helping you achieve your strategy and helping you achieve your vision. Um, But it is obviously a reality that, you know, governance is such, you know, a, a key part of being on a board, um, and, and certainly because we're highly regulated here in Ireland, you know, it, it, sometimes it all it often feels like the medicine is killing the patient because you spend so much of your time in admin and compliance. Um, and that's you know, certainly where a disproportionate amount of time is taken up at, at board meetings, um, right. you know, where really, you know, you want to spend more time looking at you know, what is the what is the kind of strategic aspects of this and how are we going to advance our services and how are we going to, you know, um, impact the lives of the people that we're here to serve. That's really the more interesting part. And that's really where you're bringing on people with skills, you know, to, to help with those discussions. Um, but, you know, it, it's just unfortunate that a big part of, of being on a board is around, you know, the governance piece. And I say governance in, in the context of
0: compliance, and not necessarily okay. the performance piece. Right, okay. Well, remember, in this one dimension, it is focused on a lot of the compliance pieces um, and, and other ones that will change, which makes governance complex, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But in in on this model, usually when it's strictly combined to governance, these are larger organizations with complex services they're very mature they have full staff trained managers that have the skill sets around management of that organization Um, and that information systems are in place in order to provide that evaluation and making sure that you know, the, the mission, the vision, strategies, advance, where there are issues, all of those would be sort of conversations at, in this kind of boardroom. There wouldn't be a whole lot of engagement and in, in implementation, for example. There would probably be advice. Um, but the risks of this type only are uh, becoming a rubber stamp. So if we see that issue come up, on the assessment, that's where that issue comes. Um, that, that may be more likely to surface in these kinds of governance models. And and Mel, we do assess the the governance model type in our in our um, impact assessment. But um, other risks are when, like you say, you don't you when the um, the people you bring on. May not be knowledgeable enough about about the about governance or about the business of the organization to to provide that kind of um, evaluation and then and make those decisions. Um, or the board becomes disconnected from what the organization does right at a distance. And and as you mentioned, the needs and people who have MS. Um, or there's some, you know, disconnect between management and staff and the board, and we see that happening, um, that happens a lot as well. And in fact, one of our case studies where um, one of the nonprofits, when, they, when they, they involve the staff and management in assessments of board performance, and that helped them get um, on the same page as a board, and that helped build a relationship with the board. Um, or the board just becomes so inflexible within those boundaries. Um, and, you know, then it, the effectiveness is around that, those shared levels of understanding um, between, you know, between management and, and the governance and levels of policy and issues and, that can be surfaced and discussed. And having all of those systems in place so it isn't so owner as onerous right as all these regulatory requirements come into play, you know, really does um, strain and stress the resources of the organization. So, yeah, um,
3: I've come to the conclusion that there are no governance or management or. working boards in in a pure sense they are primarily and for example where would you put carver's model uh it would be the most extreme in a governance uh, yeah it'd be non-profit. governance only yeah, yeah. And, and corporate boards are a totally different thing
0: so this is a one of the models in mel's book the mixed model board whereas you're not pure working and you're not pure governance, you're somewhere in the middle. And um and so, you know, then the board um really does need to be clear um uh about you know where when and how um board members should get involved or the board gets involved and having that clarity of communication between board and management to discuss um, sort of gaps in operations um, or authority and responsibility. And that meetings, um, um, that meetings should focus on governance um, uh, and, and even in those cases and leaving sort of Operational um, issues to committees. And I'll give you an example of this. I'm I've been on a the board, a board called Baby Friendly USA, and we accredit hospitals in the United States, according to the World Health Organization's 10 Steps to Successful Breastfeeding. And that is a very clinically focused organization operationally. It requires massive expertise in from physicians and nurses and hospital around breastfeeding and, um, and the implementation of these 10 steps to accredit hospitals around this. So, of course, all the board for the first three or four years I was on this board Every committee was an operational committee, and there was no governance really going on at all on this board. There was no strategic plan. There was really there was no audit committee. There was no fiduciary. Um, very minimal, and so we were really at risk. And so over the years, we've shifted, but that was required. So it's not that the organization doesn't require it. It's just we've repositioned those committees as committees. Um, and ensured that the there is a report within the overall bigger picture of the organization, and that you know within the advising function, the, some of those committees are purely now advisory for the CEO because the CEO doesn't have all the knowledge that she needs to implement a lot of the uh, policies. So, so that's an example of. Um, of this, where you know we were we were actually governing more like a working board when we are a multi-million dollar organization and we're shifting now, we're in the middle, where well, we're shifting more focusing on governance. And it's taken a f- several years to sort of move this way. But it was not it was not obvious to everyone that we weren't governing. So which is appropriate, is sort of the question. Which approach or model to governance is right? And there is really no one best model. And I think what what Mel said, like you sort of abandon those pure types um, that the board really has to determine what the right approach is. And everyone really needs to get on the same page. And, um, you know, having those opportunities to talk about this, and that's where you know, the issue involving management and assessment of board performance, taking time to talk about those, especially in that one section of those issues where everyone is on this and how meetings, um, how, how you know, because management is required for effective governance and um, having those conversations um, and seeing the board as an essential part of the system, of the organization, you know, function of the organization um, and, ha- and for management to see that as well. And, um, you know, knowing that there's legislative and um, accreditation requirements, so making sure that um, the, the model of governance w- will lend itself to compliance, for example, and, um, and making sure uh, that, that there's a good fit. I know we're coming up right at the end here. Um, I wanted to share just some of the changes that boards have made um, in there. You can see this is in all the areas of, of board performance assessed, but you can see more clarity and focus on roles and responsibilities sort of changes. Um, to uh, bylaws um, and and making sure that they're up to date. Uh, and here we see that the fiduciary role is um, a close second from the m- changes in the board. M- um, very high on this list is the fiduciary role of the board and beefing that up in with those some of those changes that I talked about.
3: Can I just say that when when money is an issue that might affect them personally, they get really uninterested.
0: Yes, 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 right. And um, you know, this is actually a word. These are the words. Uh, frequency. It's a word cloud. We ask uh, boards to. Put in the changes that occurred in the different dimensions in this roles and responsibilities. You can see the words um, governance, um, clarifying responsibilities, policy, defining, um, improvements. Um, so, planning, all of these are the types of changes that um, boards are implementing. And then I think just sort of just to end and summarize is really to con- consider in your own boards is how clear is the board? If you have done the assessment, go back and look at the data around these issues and look um, at clarity and, of responsibilities, illegal liabilities, Find surface what those issues are Um, And they may not be all, there may be just one or two. And then, um, you know, focus on some sort of strategies to address with it, whether it's just just having a conversation, whether it's specific um, knowledge that has to be shared or um, what have you. So that is all I had for today.